awesome time um, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus together. Amen? Amen. So Mel and Jacob are obviously away this week. They will be wi- back with us next Sunday, so we can look forward to seeing them then. But I am going to continue this week with our Christmas sermon series of Joyful Expectation. Now, if you was here last week, you would have heard Pastor Jacob. Um, he started the sermon series, and he spoke about how we to maintain this belief for good by the process of transforming our mind. We get our expectations up again, transform our mind with the word of God. Now this week, what I want to do is I just want to kind of um, narrow, bring it in slightly, narrow it in slightly, um, because we want to take this concept of joyful expectation linked with the birth of Jesus and look at it from different perspectives of different biblical characters. Does that make sense? Are you with me? Are we ready to go? That's good. So what what was people in the Bible expecting about the Messiah? What were they expecting about the coming Messiah? What was God saying to his people about the Messiah? And more importantly, how does that relate to us now in our present day life? So we're going to take a look in the Old Testament scriptures. Now the Old Testament, as, as some of us will know, has lots of prophecies about Jesus. It has lots of signs and symbols that point us towards Jesus, that point us towards the coming Messiah. And the Old Testament we're going to look at today is the prophet Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah. Now, Isaiah was one of the main prophets, and he was, he was very well known because he's, he's, he was active as a prophet in Judah and Israel for a long time, a long time. He, 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 um, he was active over about the span of four kings, so he became very well known for his works and his sayings. He lived in Jerusalem about 700 years before the coming of Jesus, before the birth of Jesus. Now, um, biblical prophets, they were actually a lot more than I think our kind of modern day mind thinks of them. You know, they were a lot, lot, lot more than kind of personal fortune tellers. (laughs) You know, they didn't just personally predict people's future. They were known as mediums. The prophets, they, they were men and women individually called by God, and we have a lot of their callings recorded in the Bible for us, but they were called by God individually, oftentimes by a very profound experience of God, a very profound encounter with God, with accompanying visions and signs. And it was then grounded in this experience of God that they were commissioned by God to go forth and speak his word. And the main narrative of of the biblical prophets was calling unfaithful Israel back into a faithful covenantal relationship with God. The covenant that they made with God at Mount Sinai, calling them back into faithful relationship with God. As when Israel remained in faithful covenantal relationship with God, God's blessings could flow through to Israel and through Israel out to the nations. And obviously when Israel refused to listen um, listen to the prophets, they experienced the consequences um, of disobeying God, just like the prophets warned. So the prophets were there to help Israel with this goal through words of comfort, instruction, and warning. But the prophets' task was also to, to hear from God and attempt to interpret how God was working in the world, how God was interacting with his creation. Uh, uh, from the past, how has God moved in the past? 
what is he doing now in this present day context? And what can we expect about a future move of God? How can we expect God to move in the world? And what God would do after he called his servants, he would empower them with the Holy Spirit and give them this divine spiritual wisdom and discerning so the prophets could then go and speak forth this spiritual wisdom and guide and nurture and lead people through moves of God, through works of God. You see, the birth of Jesus was a work of God. And it was a work of God planned before the foundations of the world. A work God planned before the foundations of the world. And, and when we hear these prophecies by the Old Testament prophets and these promises being declared about this future move of God, about the coming Messiah, what they've come to be known as um, is a, a messianic prophecies. <coughs> so you might hear that, the messianic prophecies. And it's, it's these promises about the coming Messiah that God has given the wisdom to his prophets to speak of. And one of these prophecies was given to the prophet Isaiah. Well, there was a few given to the prophet Isaiah. Um, and, and the one we're going to look at today is in Isaiah chapter 9. And we're going to read it together. And it says, Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled. There will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea will be filled with glory. Will be filled with glory. The people who walked in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoicing at a harvest. And what I'm like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod, just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war, they will be fuel for the fire. For unto us a child is born. A son is given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. A passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. So this was wisdom given to the prophet Isaiah by God 700 years before Jesus was born. And what we first hear of here is, is Isaiah firstly speaking into a time of darkness and a time of despair. He says, nevertheless, a time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. And this is Isaiah speaking about his present day situation his present day situation. God's people, the people of Judah, didn't remain faithful to their covenantal relationship. They turned to idols, um, as we know. And consequently, the nation was going to descend into a time of darkness and, uh, darkness. and as we read on, we understand that Assyria would come and invade Judah, take the land, and then <coughs> eventually the people will be sent off into exile. 
a dark, spiritually speaking, oppressive time that was to come. Isaiah's present day context that he is speaking into. Yeah, Isaiah then goes on to predict a future move of God, a future work of God. And he says, this is going to be a time when a dramatic reversal of the darkness and the oppression is going to take place. A day that will be filled with glory. A day that is going to be filled with hope. A day where we can certainly rejoice in. And this reversal, this future move of God, which Isaiah goes on to speak about in this scripture, we can break it down into two sections. And we'll do that today as we look through it. And the first section is... Glory that overcomes the darkness. Glory that overcomes darkness. And then deliverance from oppression. So we've got glory that overcomes darkness and deliverance from oppression. So let's see how glory overcomes the darkness. So keeping in mind Isaiah is speaking into a present day situation of darkness but he's looking to a future day on the horizon. And he's saying, look, even in this present day darkness, even in this present day gloom, there is good news. A light is coming. A light is going to break through. A light that is so strong, a light that is so powerful that it will completely reverse the effect of the darkness and the gloom. He says in verse 2, the people who walked in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness a light will shine. So what is this light that he's referring to? Well, whenever we hear about light breaking into the darkness in the Bible, it's always associated with God's presence and God's glory. God's, the presence of God is the glory of God which overcomes our darkness. You see, the birth of Jesus, who was fully God and fully man, was the breaking in of God's presence into this world. Breaking in of God's glory into this world. God's glory coming into the world so he could once again dwell with and in and amongst his people. Is that something to get joyful about, guys? (laughs) It says in Hebrews 1, the sun radiates God's own glory. And expresses the very character of God. He radiates God's glory. The glory of God. The presence of God broke into this world with the birth of Jesus Christ. And Matthew references, references, I just have a drink so I can get my words out and you can understand what I'm saying. Okay, that's better. Matthew references this prophecy um, in Matthew 4, he says, and he's speaking about Jesus, he says, he, he went first to Nazareth, then left there and moved to Capernaum beside the Sea of Galilee in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This fulfilled what God said through the prophet Isaiah. So Jesus Christ fulfilled this prophecy, the breaking in of God's glory, the breaking in of God's presence into this world. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. Today, now, here, in our midst. And it's a presence that will transform us. It's a presence that will strengthen us. It's a presence that comforts, and it's a presence that brings with it great joy and gladness. 
You see, this scripture tells you and I this morning that through the work of God, if we find ourselves in a present day situation of darkness, a darkness so thick you feel it's about to swallow you up, or a gloom so misty you can't even see into the next day. If you find yourself there this morning, guys, there's good news. There is good news. There is joyful news. Come on, the light has come. The light has come in the birth of Jesus Christ. The light has broken through. It is here, and we have to embrace it. And when we embrace his presence, when we draw near, when we soak in his presence, you will find the glory that will overcome your darkness. And you will find the purest source of joy. The presence of God in our midst. And it's also a glory. It's also a presence that brings with it deliverance from oppression. Deliverance from oppression. You see, God's presence broke into this world through the birth of Jesus Christ to deal with the dominions of spiritual darkness in this world. The effects and the oppression that sin, death, and the devil hold over us, those strongholds that can hold us captive, that can bind us. God came into this world, born as a baby in a manger, to eventually grow and and fight a battle for us and win a battle for us that we could not fight and we could not win. The battle of sin, death, and the devil. And that battle cost him his life. That battle cost him his life. But he figured that you was worth it. He figured that you was worth it. And that's how much he loves you. With the breaking in of God's presence into this world comes the ability for us to break free from that which holds us captive. The ability to break free. Addiction, depression, anxiety, anger, pride, envy, greed, lust, whatever it is. Whatever it is for you, it can be different for all of us, but whatever it is for you, God has made a way for you in the person of Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit for you to be able to walk free. The scripture says God has already broken that yoke of oppression for you. That's what the scripture said. He has broken that yoke of oppression. We just need to believe it. We need to believe it and begin to walk free in the power of the Holy Spirit within the presence of God. And this, again, the scripture tells us, should bring us a sense of joy. It should begin to, when we meditate on these things, when we believe these things, it should cultivate within us a joy. The scripture says, they will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod. It's been broken. It's been broken. Just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. And he's given us this imagery here of farmers rejoicing and gathering a harvest that they did not plant. He's given us an imagery of a warrior enjoying the spoils of a battle that they did not fight. 
do you see? It's like we've come onto the battlefield at the end and we get to rejoice in the freedom and the victory, but we never fought the battle. Jesus Christ fought the, fought the battle for us. We just get to enjoy the freedom and the victory. And Isaiah predicted this in his prophecy. He said, the boots of the warrior and the uniform bloodstained by war, they will be burned. They will be fuel for the fire because they're no longer needed. <laughs> Jesus has fought the battle and won. They're no longer needed. We can burn it. They're no longer needed. We just need to walk in the victory that Jesus Christ offers us, in the life-giving way of the Spirit. We just need to embrace and dwell in his presence, in his yoke-breaking presence. As the Apostle Paul puts it in Colossians, for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. We can live in the victory. We can live in the freedom. We can live with a joyful expectation in the work that has already begun. You see, we should expect to see God move. Let's raise our expectations. The work's already been done. We should expect to see God move. We should begin to expect to see God heal people. We should expect people to get breakthrough and deliverance. We should expect supernatural provision. We should expect to see God move because the battle's been won. Amen? The light has come. The light has come. His presence has broken in. It's here with us, amongst us. And we get to dwell safely and securely and freely in the presence of God. Am I, is this making sense this morning? Am I getting through? A presence, a glory where we'll find our truest joy. Because who knows there's a difference between happiness and joy. Yeah? Happiness and joy. You see, joy isn't something that we try to create ourselves. We just think happy thoughts. Oh, just think happy thoughts. We can't muster it up ourselves, can we? <laughs> we probably all tried. <laughs> we can't because the Bible tells us that joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Joy is a th fruit of the Holy Spirit. It tells us that in Galatians. It's, it's when we're in the presence of God that we'll find this purest, truest joy. Happiness is grounded in circumstances, right? It's grounded in circumstances, isn't it? What we can see, what we, what we touch, what we hear. And because it's grounded in circumstances, and because circumstances change, our feelings of happiness change, <laughs> right? You know, I've just been on holiday with my family. Uh, we went to a beautiful um, farmhouse. It was amazing. We just got away from it all. Beautiful farmhouse. Scenery was beautiful. Like a dam and cows. It was just so amazing. And I was happy. <laughs> Every day I was happy. <laughs> My circumstances were fantastic. I was relaxed, enjoying good food, good company, and my feelings of happiness were up there. But then I have to come home. <laughs> and as I'm driving away, and then the farmhouse is disappearing <laughs> in the distance, so are my feelings of happiness, you know? They're staying there, and, and my circumstances are changing. And I'm not feeling so happy anymore. <laughs> but joy is deeper than that. Joy is not anchored in our circumstances. Joy is anchored in the, in the unchanging God, Right? Joy is anchored in the God who does not change. Joy is something we get 
in the presence of God. It's an attribute of his character that we get to harvest inwardly when we're in his presence. It fills us inwardly when we're in his presence. And it's a joy that will stay strong and stable and secure despite the changing circumstances of your life. When you are going through hard times, when the darkness seems to be coming on your life, when you're experiencing trials and it just never seems to be ending, you can have a joy that's secure and stable and strong and keeps you upright and keeps you moving forward when you dwell in the presence of God that has broken through in the person of Jesus Christ. Can you hear me this morning? He is with us. He is with us. And the thing is about this joy, because we are carrying the presence of God in us, because we carry the light of God, we're light carriers, we carry his joy as well. So that joy can be extended to other people when they're in their time of darkness. We can use the gifts of our harvest to share with others when they find themselves in darkness. We can share the hope of Jesus Christ, can't we? We can share the light of Jesus Christ. We can share the joy of Jesus Christ. Joy that comes from God. It strengthens us. It's stable and secure. As another Old Testament prophet predicted also, the prophet Nehemiah, he said, for it is the joy of the Lord that is your strength. It is the joy of the Lord that is your strength. that brings freedom from oppression and a presence in which we can find our truest joy. And all this was prophesied by Isaiah 700 years before the birth of Jesus Christ and found its fulfillment in Jesus Christ. Yet the prophecy of Isaiah also speaks of something not yet fulfilled. It's also something, we're standing now in this present day context where the light has come, but it also speaks of a day that we can stand and look forward to. A future day on the horizon, the coming of God's complete kingdom, where heaven and earth will meet and join, and it will be the complete kingdom of God, the new heavens and the new earth, where God will reign for all eternity, and where God will dwell with his people in a literal sense. It says in verse 7, his government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. So there's a, there's a time that we can look forward to that has not yet been fulfilled by God. Um, another future move that, that is going to come. And it's here the Bible tells us There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more death. That God will wipe away every tear. And again, it's something we can allow to cultivate that sense of joy within us. Can you imagine a time where God dwells with his people in a literal sense? Where God dwells with us in a literal sense? Imagine a time where there's no more wars. There's no more lies ravished and destroyed by wars and power plays and greed. Imagine a time where righteousness and justice rules, where God alone reigns. Imagine a time when we're united with our loved ones. Imagine that time. You know, I know for a few of us, we're going into our first Christmas without our loved ones. 
around. And we've been there and it's a hard time. You know, Christmas can be a hard time for people as well. But we have a joyful expectation in Jesus despite our circumstances. We have a joyful expectation in Jesus, a joy, a hope that this world cannot take away from us. We have a future day to look forward to where everything, everything we've experienced in this life will find its meaning. All the pain we experience in this life will find its purpose and its beauty. We have that day to look forward to. God has not finished moving in this world. God has not finished interacting with his creation. God has not finished working in your life, in your world. You still have a lot to expect from God. N.T. Wright, some of you may have heard of him. He's one of my favorite Bible um, teachers, scholars. And he says, we as, we as Christians, we should live grounded in an awareness of the final kingdom to come, yet live in a present day expectation to see it. So, so that means we should, yeah, we should have an awareness that the final kingdom is going to come. That's on its way. But it has already broken in. So we should expect to live in this day to see signs and symbols of the kingdom, to see God move, to see healings, to see God work amongst us. We should have that expectation because his glory is here. His presence is with us and he's still working in the world. He's still working in your life. He's still working in this church as a community. You know, God works in, in personal lives, in personal situations. But when we come together as a body, as a community, as a church, he works in us together as well. He leads us and guides us and directs us. So as we come to this time of Christmas and we, and we wait in for the advent of Jesus Christ, we celebrate his birth. Let's let the words of God from the prophet Isaiah, spoken 700 years ago, which is still as relevant today, let them words soak deeply into your soul. Let them not fall away. Let them soak deeply into your soul. And if you're listening to this and, and you're not yet a Christian, let this scripture maybe challenge you or provoke you to think about where have you been trying to find your source of joy? Has it been in temporal circumstances? Has it been in another person? You know, sometimes we, we put that hope on another person, don't we? Then we get disappointed when they can't give us what we need. Has it been in another person? And let this, this scripture just honestly challenge you about how is that going for you? How is that situation going for you? Because God is drawing you close. He's always drawing us closer. So it doesn't matter if you're a new Christian, been a Christian 20 years, you're about to become a Christian, or you're thinking about it. God is always drawing you closer and closer into his presence. And at the same time, if, if we are Christians here and we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, maybe allow this scripture to realign you this morning. You can come up. Thanks, guys. Allow this scripture to, to realign our thinking, to realign our actions. Have we been looking elsewhere to find our joy? Have we been confusing fleeting, fleeting feelings of happiness with this pure, secure joy that comes from Jesus Christ? Do we still believe God is enough for us? Do we still believe God alone 
is all that we need to find our truest joy? Do we simply need to draw deeper into the presence of God this Christmas? Despite the craziness that's going on around us, do we simply just need to stop and come to Jesus in his light, in his presence, allow his glory to fill you, allow his joy to fill you? It doesn't matter what you're going through. And I don't mean that just to, to, to kind of like I'm brushing it off. I'm not. But this is the truth. And we all experience things in life, but Jesus is the unchanging one. He's the one who was, he's the one who is, and he's the one who is to come. And he's the one we can anchor our life on. He's the one we can build our life on. And when everything is like sinking sand around us, we can stand on the word of God. We can anchor our life in Jesus Christ, knowing that he loves us so much. And he's working on our behalf. Will you let the glory of God fill you? This Christmas time, let's look to Jesus once again as the only source of hope and true joy in this world. The one who stands at the center of all human history and the one who will stand at the end of human history. Amen. Let's just pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your presence in this room, Lord. Come, Jesus, have your way. Let the glory of God fill this room. Let the glory of God fill your heart this morning. His light has broken into the world. His light has broken into your heart. Will you just let it glow and fill your heart this morning? Thank you, Jesus. And if you're not yet, made that move towards Jesus Christ and accepted him as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that now. Will you receive his light? Will you receive his glory this morning? Church, if you can pray this prayer with me, and if you made that decision today, if you're online and you've made that decision, then please repeat this prayer after me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for sending your son. Thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross. I believe God raised you from the from dead. And I look to you as Lord and Savior of my life. Amen. If you've prayed that prayer for the very first time, please come and see me. I'd love to talk to you if you're can get you some resources. We can get some people around you. You don't have to walk this journey alone. Church, shall we stand? Can we just take a minute to dwell in his presence? Let's, this is what we come for, right? We come to experience God. And I believe the Holy Spirit is here. His glory is in this room. We just need to open up our hearts. Come on, just raise your praise. Raise your own praise. Come on, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Open your hearts. Open your hearts. prayer for anything, please come. I'd love to pray with you. Let's stand together before the throne of God and pray. Yes, thank you, Lord. Dwell in his presence. His presence is here. Just dwell. Soak in the light. Let's use our imagination here, guys. The light is here. Jesus Christ is here. He is here. Will you soak in his presence? Listen to the whisper of the Holy Spirit. He's bringing you healing. This healing he wants to bring. 
this healing he wants to bring to your heart, the warm light wants to bring healing. Will you receive it this morning? Thank you, Jesus. His light wants to bring hope. There is some of us here, we've not been hopeful. We can't see a vision for our future. Jesus Christ is bringing you hope this morning. Will you look up? Will you look up? Will you look up to him again? Come on, Jesus. Thank you for your glory in this room. Faithfulness. 